I'm Robert Stout. I'm James Hinchcliffe, and this is The Skinny. From Fathead Studios in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny. All right, enough of this racing crap. Let's get to why we really got you in here. Oh, God. Because Sharna, without a doubt, <laughs> I knew is, that was the, is the best-looking one of the bunch, man. And they're all beautiful people, guys and girls. But in all honesty, I mean, congratulations, by the way. Second <laughs> there. You. Although, did Elio win that damn he thing? Did. Yeah, he yeah, reminds that, so that suck, huh? yeah, he reminds me weekly. Yeah, he reminds me weekly. Yeah. But honestly, I want to know what goes on behind the scenes. Like, how difficult was that that thing to do? That was insanely difficult to do it was so much work man it was so much work when they when they call you up to sell you on doing the show right they're like yeah you know it's six days a week and you practice four hours a day and we'll move you out to los angeles and and you know whatever whatever and i'm like okay so i'm trying to do the math in my head i'm like all right so i could do like a i could do like a early rehearsal friday morning you know, and then like a late rehearsal on Sunday, take Saturday as my day off. And then, you know, my wife and I can maybe do like a little day trips around California. I'm like, okay, that's on four hours a day. Like that's not, I train almost that every day anyways. So I'm like, okay. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I didn't want to do it because I can't dance, right? I'm a five foot nine white guy from Canada. Like I cannot <laughs> dance. Like this is the extent of my dancing ability. Maybe a Macarena if it's a really crazy night. And so, but IndyCar were like, We'd really like you to do this. This would be great for when Elio did it. It was 10 years since Elio had done it. When he did it, it was huge. And we got all these fans, whatever, and my, my sponsors and my team, like, we really want you to do this. I was like, okay, fine. So, so I'm like, yeah, four hours a day. I would have my day off, whatever. No. So it's actually eight to 10 hours a day. Um, <laughs> it's seven days a week. They're, they're six days a week is rehearsal because day seven is show day. And show day, you have to get to the studio, you've got to do a run-through, then you've got to do a full dress rehearsal, and then you've got to do the show. So it's actually like the longest day is your off day, right? It's like, okay. If they actually told you what it was, nobody would sign up for it. <laughs> nobody would sign up for it because it is, it is so much work. Well, and they so, didn't lie. It was four to six hours a day. Yeah, if you wanted to go home first. Well, no. I mean, it was still four to six. You ended up eight, but I mean, yeah. you did your four to That's six. True. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Exactly. But no, but so so... So the first the first show we were still racing like uh, it was we had like two weeks like I met Sharna and then we had two weeks of kind of she would fly out to certain places and we maybe did like I don't know five or six days of rehearsal in that sort of two weeks moving around whatever and then we get to LA and we do the first show and I don't remember like I blacked out when the music started and all I all I wanted to do was not make a complete ass of myself right I just wanted to not go home first that was like my only goal going into this thing and. The, the the music ends, and I hadn't tripped or fallen down. We were both still standing, so I'm like, okay, this obviously went okay. And we get our scores at the end, and, you know, Sharn had said, she's like, look, week one, you're going to see threes, fours, and fives. That's just how it works, and, they you know, because nobody's that good yet, and they've got to be able to, like, ramp it up as you get better or whatever. And so we got sevens and eights on our first oh, week. Oh, wow. And she was like, that's, that's not normal. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And... Then at the end of the night, <laughs> I clearly didn't read the rules on how this show actually works, which in hindsight, I probably should have. I just thought it was all the fan vote, right? Like, they give you the little paddles with the numbers, and it's like, yeah, that's just to give people at home some sort of reference as to how crap you are at dancing. And then at the end of the day, a scoreboard comes up, and it had everybody's scores from the night, and I was tied for first, and, which was a huge shock in and of itself. 
but at that moment, and they're like, this, yeah, this is a running tally that we keep throughout the season. And I was like, oh, wait. So, like, every week we get it's a points. Championship. It's a championship. <laughs> and so this, like, this, this switch just flipped oh, in my brain. I was like, this, this, is, got real this now, is a competition. Yeah. Let's go. I was like, what time do we start tomorrow? Let's get, let's get to work. And so that's why it became, like, eight- and ten-hour days is because, again, I'll reiterate this. I suck at dancing. And so I needed eight to ten hours a day to be good enough, I felt, to compete at the level I wanted to compete at. And so, man, it was just so many hours on your feet and you're constantly doing in between. You're doing interviews and, like, wardrobe fittings and, like, all these other things. And it's, t- and it's terrifying. Like, you have to go out and dance in front of, like, 700 people, I think, in the studio. And then, oh, yeah, like 12 million of your friends watching at home live. <laughs> There's no redos, you know, and it's, it's tearing just... you up. I'm sure lighting your phone up. man. Well, this was the best part, right? So I get through the first show and then we had our last race of the season was, I think, the next weekend. And I, I was fully expecting just a barrage of abuse from everybody at the track. Right. And so I got there and my buddies were all like, look, man, I'll be honest with you. Like we had some really good ones teed up for you, but. Like, you actually did really well, and I feel bad now making fun of you because we were all, like, just pretty shocked that you did that. So, like, yeah, just keep up the good work, I guess. And, yeah, we made it all the way to the end. I was, I was laughing. I was chatting with Davey Hamilton, and I can't remember. Who was the race car driver that was on The Bachelor? Uh, Ari. Ari. Ari, Ari Lineback. Yeah. Because they, they were good friends with him, and he ended up getting a nickname, Pillow Lips. Out of out of the uh, show, so when he did, he's kissing all the girls. All the girls are yeah. kissing him like old pillow lips, you know. So they they still bust his chops to this day with you know old pillow lips. Would you guys videotape yourselves and then go back and rewatch it every I, time? I imagine, yeah, because I can only imagine having to remember like okay the steps and the move and we turn and we do this and that. And then go back and watch and be like, oh yeah, I'm frowning the entire time and I look like an idiot. That's that's the thing is, is or you're staring at your feet. Or, it's a performance. Yeah, right. It's a performance. So that was after the first show, you know. So after each after each dance on the show. Show, we'd go back and we'd watch the video like right away and the first show Sharna was like great job um you need to smile once in a while I, I looked like I was doing long division right because I'm like <laughs> one two three dip move twirl this and I was just so focused and she's like half of what you're doing is a performance on that show right and so you got to learn and, it, and send some of the dances yeah. are fun and some of the dances are sexy and some of them are romantic and some of them are, and so like you got to play this character as as well as Dan, like it's his so much work. I man. mean, it really goes back to what we were talking about in racing. Everybody's really good at the high levels of their discipline, and you look at them, the highest level of their discipline, sure. and you're coming into it. It'd be like putting her in the car, telling her to go qualify at, at Indy and say, oh, you got to work the bar. Don't forget to use yeah, your tools. Use the weight go jacker, to, go, yeah, use the weight jacker. Yeah, use the weight jacker. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. You got to put a and... camera in your helmet so that you're looking at your face and be like, but don't remember. Yeah, if you're smile. battling with somebody, you're in a battle and you're aggressive. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. now we're happy. When we're you're leaving, we're smiling now. <laughs> exactly. That part I think would mess with me more than anything. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be literally acting a certain persona based on what song I'm I'm performing to. That's bizarre. That I heard for the first time five days ago <laughs> right. and had to learn. You know, it's yeah, it's crazy. Well, you guys did the racing world uh, well. You know, served well, served, us, served us well. You yeah, and yeah. you and Elio did a did a nice job of that. So thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, we had to make up for Waltrip, you know, because he went on the show one year. Awful. Was, I mean, I don't know how not great. <laughs> I don't know how we don't have this queued up. This guy's dance that he uh, did the choreography to oh. uh, for his daughter's wedding. Ah, there you go. <laughs> oh, there you man, go, Carl. We, we gotta you better write it up. up somewhere. That better was, write it up. That was epic. Yeah, epic. That's a good word. We, I don't know that anybody <laughs> wants to watch it, but uh, it was a lot of fun. They'll we, get, we worked they'll get at to it. see it. It took me 
two weeks to work on a two-minute routine, so not six to eight hours. Yeah, no, that, that part didn't, <laughs> didn't work out. We had a good time, though. She had, she had a blast, and we put together a nice little routine, so it was fun to do. Hey, man, I want to regress a little bit because I know Robert loves this series. I loved this series when it was going on, and uh, I didn't realize until I started doing a little research on you that you had actually raced in the, uh, the A1GP. A- A1GP, man. Greatest Those series on Earth. cars were awesome. Greatest dude. series. Uh, you went all around the world doing it. It was the deal. best, man. The cars sucked. They were terrible cars, but they were fun to drive, and they raced really well because they were so bad. And the series was – it had everything. It had everything. So it ran in the off-season so that every, every driver could do it, right? I mean, it's like you had your contracts maybe wouldn't let some guys do whatever, but, like, essentially a lot of guys were available to run it. You had to be from the country of the car. The car got points, not the driver, so you could swap guys out nice. and give multiple guys a chance. We went all over the world, like the coolest places. Zandvoort, Czech, Beijing, New Zealand. Wow. I mean, yeah. South Africa, Malaysia, Indonesia. I wow. mean, we just, <laughs> it was incredible. And, and, and then you have a sprint race which was a rolling start and no pit stop on the Saturday. And then you had a feature race, which was standing starts and pit stops on the Sunday. So like it literally had, it had everything covered, it had all the bases covered. And didn't they make enough power where you could just like knock the tire off of them? Like they were oh, handful, God, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, They were, I, I, I think they were like 700 horsepower. But like I said, the cars were terrible. And so they were an absolute <laughs> handful. And, oh, man, like, the racing was great, and the traveling was awesome. And like the TV package they put together, like production value was through the roof. And the prize money was really good, and they threw great parties every Sunday, and they spent all their money in four years and went bankrupt. But other than that, it was great. <laughs> Super good concept. Super good concept. And, like, honestly... So what kind of cars were they? What, what was the... They were essentially, like, the tub was some derivative of an old Formula 3000 car. And and it kind of had its own super unique looking bodywork done up for it. It was a Lola, I want to say. Didn't, ha- didn't it have a huge rear tire? I mean, it, it, it was it was massive, big massive rear tire. And so and like we front, f- small front tire. And we flipped these things like an all old the time. F one, yeah, an older F one car. It was or like was, Derek Daly yep. era yeah, or something. Yep. Five thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. style tire to power. Yep, massive. But yeah, but like we, we we rolled so many cars because the rear tire was was so wide that you just get your front hooked. And I, I got rolled in Australia. Like a bunch of guys got rolled in those cars. Super dangerous. God, it was a terrible car. But the, this series was so good. And uh, I ran for uh, Team Canada was around for three years. I ran for two of them, and then for the fourth season of the championship, they switched to these Ferrari cars which were, for all intents and purposes, it's a, it was a 2004 Formula One car. And th- those things were amazing. I never got to drive that one because Team Canada folded. And so I actually, that's kind of one of my first TV gigs was I did some pit lane reporting for the broadcast. So I still got to you know travel around and be part of it. But those cars were cool. And they're still sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Really? And every year I hear a rumor that someone's going to buy them and do something with them. And I'm really looking forward to when that happens because, like, sign me up. It's going to be a blast. Ken asked the question, and you kind of alluded to it a minute ago. What if you had to race in another era? What would it be? Because he asked Connor, and what was Connor's answer? Oh, he said, "I know exactly which era it would be," and he nailed. I mean, he went right let, to it. Let, let, let do you know which one he would go with? No, but can I guess? Yes, it would be like oh 
four to ding 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 ding. Yeah, we've got a winner. Yeah. So when 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 the series was I at its said worst, two oh three, but I mean close yeah. enough. He was when the series was at its worst, when the cars were garbage, but that's when the parting was the at its highest. And so that's why I caught literally wants said, to do he it. said, dude, you could fly to like the Bahamas between practice sessions, and they wouldn't know it. He goes, there was no social media. Nobody knew what you were doing. You go down there and party like a rock star oh. all night and come back and run again the next day. My little said, brother. And nobody would know. My little brother. Yeah. He, yeah. Just whatever Schechter's career was, that's what. It's, it's, he's exactly. supposed to emulate that. Yes, he referenced yeah. Thomas for sure. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I would have gone more for like the like mid to late 90s. You know, with like the big high horsepower cars and yeah, like those guys were flying. Man, those things were cool. And like you know, basically everything cart up to O two, and then they lost. The, then that's when everybody started trans. Like Penske left, and then Michael and Bobby left, and Chip left, and um, but up to that point, so like ninety five to O two would have been like the sweet spot. Tobacco money was still around. The cars were incredible. You know, the the development was still really big. Many manufacturers were involved. You know, like you read the book, The Beast, about that uh, engine that Penske made for the 500. And these guys literally were working with Ilmore in England and literally had human carriers on the two, um, what was the Concorde flights? There was a con- yeah. two Concorde flights a day back and forth to London to UK or to um, New York. New York. Yep. And they had people on every one of them for like three months, just bringing parts back and forth. Like that. That shit's awesome, man. Like that's so yeah. cool. Have you been able to go to Speedway Motors to their museum? No. In, in Lincoln, Nebraska. No. He has one of those Mercedes engines there. Oh, really? Oh, thanks. So and geez. and uh, jewelry and. Uh, <clears throat> To my knowledge, he may be the only one, like Roger, I don't think has one, because Roger, I think, so Speedy Bill, right, he's gone now, but Speedy Bill was talking about it, and and we got the private tour because I happened to be with Forrest, <laughs> and uh, and he he was definitely showing Forrest all of his toys, and I mean, right. listen, it, it's a two-day walkthrough, yeah. and I mean, the largest pedal cart uh, collection in the world. Oh, no way. The old matchbox with the German helmet on it with the stud on the top. He has that car there. And I mean, so I was just I was mesmerized by all this stuff. Yeah. And, but that that Mercedes engine was sitting there and I looked at it and I said, What is that? Like I knew what it was and he goes well, it fell off of a truck, and, uh, and uh, you know, and he went on. But I, I think he had that hidden for a long time, and then feels like the coast is clear now. Yeah, but it's it was safe now. Was I was cool. really hoping I'd be able to dig up, kind of, you know, one of those Toyota motors. I mean, you know, people oh, at Toyota. Yeah. I knew people at TRD. I'm like, there's got to be one laying around somewhere yeah. in the back of the shop. Yeah. But I talked to to my contact at TRD, and he said every one of those were cut up. Like yeah. you will never find one. It's gone forever. Yeah, yeah they're not even in the cars. They still have in. Uh, Costa Mesa. There's, I don't think there's any of them that survived. Yeah, it's funny talking about that era because I would have said the exact same thing, mainly because of that car. Uh, but a buddy and I were just talking about that with NASCAR, and I think I would have probably said early '90s to late '90s. That era for them was awesome as well. Not necessarily from a vehicle standpoint. Uh, obviously, they were heading in the right direction, but just the fans and like you said the yeah. sponsors that were behind it and just that series was so pumped up and the and now looking back at the amount of names that were running through in that that decade is is unreal you know i feel A like cast after, of characters yeah, yeah. after yeah. we lost senior 
it was like it you know that that whole age group started kind of trickling out and you know we saw a lot of the new new names and new blood and I, I think it's one of the most competitive series in the world but it's just not you know it just doesn't have that fuel behind it that seems there like was it something about then. it then yeah NASCAR's had its its fair share of challenges uh unfortunately they they can't get out of their own way and uh it, today the modern era uh you know when big bill was alive and and bill jr it's a different deal, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm I'm happy to hear that Jim France has got a more active role in it now, and uh, is is seeing a lot of the things. And uh, Lace's uh, uh, son is maybe the next heir apparent to to take over the you know running of it. But you know, they just uh, uh, you know, let's just get back to racing. And I love that about IndyCar. It seems like even the Holman George family, where they were turning it and leading it to, was a lot like it used to be. Not the same, but a lot like it used to be. The fans are coming back, and and uh, they're you know, somebody watches an IndyCar race and watches a NASCAR race. I mean, there's no there's yeah, no comparison. I, I, I can honestly say, in my opinion, that right now IndyCar is putting on the best four-wheeled racing yeah. in the world. Oh, yeah. It's on every weekend. I mean, from qualifying, the races, the, the field is so tight. There is legitimately at least 10 people that can legitimately have a shot at winning yeah. every weekend, and you don't know which one it's going to be. Yeah. And, and there's like five that have illegitimate shots, but still have shots. Yeah. Yeah. These, these guys <laughs> that catch a lucky yellow or whatever. Yeah, and yeah based, based on strategy, for 100%. sure, man. I mean, we saw that at St. Peter. I remember that a couple of years yeah. ago. I know those guys that were in the front. And, yeah. yeah. And let's stop awesome. uh, ending under yellow. Two weeks oh, in a row, yeah, we got to yeah. stop. We can... That's bad luck. Well, That's no, bad luck. But it's, it is what it is. But here's, it has but to here's the thing. I know it has to happen. I I. Well, I don't know if it has to happen sometimes, but but here's the thing. He hits the wall, brings the yellow out, and still finishes yeah. in the top ten. How do you do how do you pull that one off? That that yeah, because there's <laughs> there's no rule that says you can't because it just doesn't normally happen like that, right? And then that's I you, could, you could argue that you could com- create a rule where if you're the cause of the yellow, you, you automatically at least have to right, go to yeah. the back of the right. line or something like that. And, and I'm sure it'll be investigated for next year now. But um, I was actually, this is going to sound bad. I was kind of surprised they threw it. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. Because it, it's all with that kind of deal, it's always you got the risk of he breaks the toe link and then the thing just shoots across the track, right? But when you think of like the fact we stayed green with Ed's deal at the first lap of the 500 and, you know, our race director, Kyle Novak has, has, has said, and since he came in, he, he very much wants to reduce yellow flags. And there have been a few situations on ovals, a lot of situations on road and street tracks that three, four years ago would have been a yellow, no questions asked. And, uh, and so I was, when I saw it happening, I'm like, ah, oh, four laps to go. And I don't think he's going to do it. And then as the words came out of my mouth, of course, it throws the yellow. Um, but again, if it comes out at that point, it's, it's too close to the end. To throw yeah. red. And it's I think it's a protocol. It. I think it, I think it's a pre-planning protocol. <laughs> and, and, and I felt about this at the 500 as well. Now I will say, and I, I did subsequently hear that maybe this was the case initially because being on the TV side of things, I understand there's a lot going on over there as well. And I didn't know how much damage was done to that attenuator, but immediately in my mind, everybody's yelling, you know, why did they end it under yellow? But I'm thinking, TV window. If, if there's, yeah, I mean, if there's an hour and a half to fix that attenuator, who knows how much damage is done? Right. TV's going to say, listen, guys, we can't play so, that game. And, and so that kind of dictates our hands. So I'll give them a mulligan on that one. But, but to me, the protocol 
should be, okay, if we're 15 laps to go, everybody's made their final stop pretty much, um, 10 laps to go, 5 laps to go. Let's set up some protocols here. And if it's five laps to go, let's throw a red flag right away. Everybody stops. Your strategy is still your strategy. You've got fuel in the car. It's going to be a little bit to get everybody started back up again. I, I get that. But that's worth the price for the fans and the people at home to watch a, a race end under a green flag versus the last five laps I'm, of the Indy What was it? Was it two years ago, the shootout, when they threw the red, right? Was that it two was, years ago? Uh, it was last year. Last year. It was last year. With that I'm big sorry. I'm usually not very end. coherent when I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm at, that, at that stage in yeah. the game. So I just think it's a pre-plan. Like, if you can no, – so, I know so it they can do. always they change. Do. I, I've had, I had this conversation with them over the – because, you know, being on, being on the TV side of it for this week, I knew that was going to come up. And so we had a meeting with the race director and with Jay Fry, and um, they do. They, they kind of have a number at each track after which it's not really possible to throw the red. And the reasons are things like – the way that they have to reorder the cars to have to be allowed to open the pits up because while your fuel, maybe everybody's on their last stop, but if it's, if there's been an accident and you like, this was kind of more specific to Indy, but if you've driven through a debris field, you have to allow cars to come in and, sure. and change tires. tires. Yeah, sure. And so to get them around, open the pits, do that, get everybody packed back up, pull the car in four laps. It's just, you cannot run through the procedure in that amount of time. So even if you threw the red right when it happened, which is logistically impossible because of the timing lines and like, you need to pack the field up before you can throw the red. And it took almost a lap and a half to pack. Okay. The field so up. given that scenario, what you just said there and I'm, you know, and there's always a lot of, listen, those guys are smarter than I am. And, and you can't tell them. They've been doing gonna, it. They've been doing it. Yeah. A, I'm not going to think time. of something they haven't, right. they haven't thought of, but why knowing how important it is to finish it? Let's just talk about the 500 under green versus yellow. Why not? do okay we we went yellow with five to go let's allow these guys to come let's clean this mess up let's allow these guys to come into the pits let's check stuff out freezes some, the field at five tag some and fuel and let's go five lap racing because then it's not the indy 500 anymore it's the indy 510 or the indy <laughs> 512 and a half not if you don't count those <laughs> but we did them but yes yeah <laughs> But that, that's what it that's that's what it'll come down to. Like that's why the overtime things right. never really been considered, no. right? Because then it's not the, yeah. like they've done it at Daytona so many times. I'm like yeah. that that's the one that always bugged me. It was like you can't call it the five hundred anymore. Yeah. And with yeah. St. Louis too, I I can understand at that point in the race why it's hard to go red flag. It's just difficult. And again, teams are strategizing. Everything they're doing is based around that amount of laps, whether there's caution or green, end of story. Yeah. The hard thing to justify is, and I understand why he did it, because on ovals, you need to get, I mean, as you very well know, you need to get emergency workers yeah. to the driver as quick as possible. So as soon as a car makes contact with the wall, it's we're going yellow. Right. I don't remember the last time I saw an Indy car like that hit the wall and just keep on cruising like yeah. nothing ever happened. Exactly. Like so, they were running a Pro 4 or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it's like they should have never thrown the yellow, right. at which point I don't think Takuma continues. I think he... If anybody would no, continue, for sure. it's probably him. But but at that point, it, it's probably thinking, I can't continue. The car's damaged. For I sure. have to pull in. But they do throw the yellow. He thinks, well, I'm just going to cruise my way to the checkered now. So he stays on track. There's no damage. And now we're stuck with three laps. Field's not packed. And there's and you know, the do. problem is, you know, when he did rub the wall, it's like, okay, did he knock something off the car? Did he rub something up? Oh, he was crab walking like crazy. Yeah. 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 There's oh, no yeah. way it he would have continued. Yeah. It was faster well, than pace yeah. car speed, you know? Yeah. yeah. But you ha I can understand why you have to throw the yellow that quick. But had there been even probably a one Mississippi more of like, yeah. should we throw it? 
then maybe it doesn't happen. The race probably everybody. They need to get the flagman for Anderson I think you got Speedway. Side of safety. I, I mean, you have I to. just in this you series. I mean, yeah. it happens all the you time. You have to. Bottom line is everybody wants the thing to end under green, and and the series does too, clearly. But uh, yeah, they stress out about that a lot, you know, because they know how much flack they're going to take if no, it's not. Nobody benefits two weeks in a row. Yeah, literally nobody. Caution, Biggest well, but, race of the year, and then the next race. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, but, technically, we raced on Saturday, and that one ended in a green, but you know, it's but technically but, not this next race. But the way you, the way you described it is like people need to understand that yeah. because I mean, hell, I'm around it all the time, and of course. I'm the, you know, I'm the same idiot. Well, why didn't they do this? Why did they, you know? And yeah, it's there's like, just okay, there's well, so there's... many things that go into it. And yeah, it, what, the the main thing that people have to understand, and without going into any detail at all, is that if it's physically possible to end the race under green, they will find a way to do it. Yeah. And so if it doesn't end under green, it's because it was not possible. You know, people were upset, you know, with the speedway and about this whole mess that's going on and everything. There's nobody else more than Roger Penske that wanted people in the stands. Absolutely. To show off what he's started to do and where this a, thing's going. It's a tie, with him, and, it's a tie with him and Doug Bowles. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. They get the series, they get the Speedway, and then to have this happen this year, I mean, what, what it's it It's like it's the most unlucky thing for him, and it's the most fortunate thing for the rest of us because to have that guy in charge through all this and he's to kind of get... motivated. Yeah, I mean, he just made a big investment in it, and like you said, he's, he's a, this... 2020 is just a continued investment. It was just a, you know, you buy a house and then you realize, oh, this little thing needs replacing and you open up the wall. It's like, oh, no, we got to redo the whole main floor. That's what happened. Yeah. You know, in an, in an yeah. indirect way, that's what happened. But yeah, I just hope they don't open up any of the walls and turn two. <laughs> they would have to redo the whole house. I think they'll just burn that down one day and start from scratch. I had a friend in Bill Simpson and, and I knew Bill from the racetrack and you know, Bill was about the most unapproachable person if you really didn't know him. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, he and I became good friends. And uh, and you know, it was it was that's where it happened because you know he was down from us a few doors, and uh, you know I wouldn't put up with this none of it. You know, he would get all surly and start raising hell with people. I'm like, settle down. You know, and he's like, what? Yeah. Like I said, settle down. What are you going to do? You're not going to do anything to me. So you know, but uh, he'll be greatly missed. We we uh, we also lost Cindy. You know, Big Red that was over there forever with uh, with um, uh, CNR and then Stewart for a long time. So it's uh, there's been a lot of lo- a lot of loss this year, but there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of uh, of you know Roger having the place and. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, I've heard of all of the things that have already happened. I mean, and I love the attention to detail. And, For sure. And, and, you know, as I always said, the Hallman-George family, I mean, at some point when you've lived that your whole life, you're ready to go pick up another segment in your life of, yep. of hey, I'll just be the car owner. Yep. I mean. I told you I was spotting there at, at the Speedway. We, uh, you know, we were there all, all the first week or from Wednesday on. And then we came out for Friday, uh, carb day, and the guys were working over there in turn three. You know, some of the crew were just working working on the building underneath the grandstands. Didn't think anything about it. They're just doing their thing. We're doing our thing. And, you know, we all leave at the end of the day. I come back on Sunday for race day, and the stairs where you go up to the grandstands, everything's painted perfect. Really? I mean, literally from Friday to Sunday with no fans there whatsoever – 
They've now completely painted all the stairs that were rusty and needed to be painted badly, you know, and anticipation of maybe or next year or whatever. I mean, they're still working as though he's got a plan, man. Yeah, I mean, For it's sure. it's got on. An awesome plan. Yeah, it was super cool to see. It was like, wow, look at that, man. It's pretty cool. So, hey, speaking of the future, um, I uh, you do an absolutely great job on TV. Thank you. And I promise you, if I didn't like it, I just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but uh, no, 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 you, you do a fabulous job. And it's always great when you see a driver that has a rapport with drivers because you go up, you know what questions to ask, you know what they're feeling, you know what they're looking for, or maybe what just bit them, and they have confidence in you. So that rapport is just uh, magical that you're able to bring to, to all of us at home. So excellent job on that. But I also... Without even asking you, I'm quite certain that is not what you want to be doing at the racetrack. So what's the future look like for you, man? I'm, I'm sure you're scrapping to stay in a car. Yeah, for sure. I mean, short short term, that's definitely not the goal. Uh, it, was a, it was a great opportunity for this year with, you know, the way my season played out uh, with the, the partial deal with Andretti. And, and I've had a lot of fun doing it, and it's definitely something I'll, you know, look into in the future. But, uh, no, we're, we're working very hard on a full-time program, a multi-year program. We're getting very close. You know, we've had uh, tremendous support from our partner in Genesis who came on this year. Um, and yeah, we're just, we're kind of, we wanted to get through our season. We knew that, you know, we were, we were done at Indy and, uh, and now we can focus all of our attention on, on kind of building the, for the future. And hopefully in the, in the not too distant future, we'll have, you know, some good news and something to announce, but that's definitely the plan. And Robert, I know this year bit you as well. What's the plans going forward uh, on your side? I mean, obviously just, anytime you're trying to chase money to go racing is it's a difficult thing. And I can only imagine at the level that you're trying to do it at. And I, I almost think there's a very difficult little middle ground because it's really easy to get stuck kind of in the price range that my, you know, where I've been racing the past few years, global MX five cup off road, things like that. It's okay to, you know, find that the sponsors that maybe throw in five, 10 K here, find a few of them over time. Of course you want a little more than that. And then maybe with an Indy car, you get, uh, you know, the full TV package and everything that goes along with yeah, running an IndyCar. You're car. selling a lot. You're selling There's a lot. lot more to sell. So I almost feel like it's probably maybe not easier isn't the right word, but um, a little easier to chase, you know, the the five million, whatever it may be. I don't know, multi-year yes. deal with these companies that are capable of that, that want the TV time, that want the exposure. Uh, I'd love to go do something like Indy Lights if I could, but... It's the hardest sell. It's, it's, it's the so hardest sell. hard to sell. That, the, that the 500 price to, to 1.2 yeah. million area for almost all series in that general price range, yeah, and what you're getting in return, it's so difficult to sell yeah. to get the experience to get to that that next level. But, um, you know, we won the championship in off-road last season, and uh, I really uh, was looking forward to chasing that again and, and uh, maybe going back-to-back this year, but that didn't happen. So hopefully I'll be back in the short course off-road. I love racing that series over there with Lucas Oil out in the West Coast. So looking forward to doing that and – Sports car is really my home. Sports car racing, that's what I've been doing um, at a pretty much a, a pro level for 10 years now. And uh, I'd love to go IMSA racing if I could. Uh, maybe if I get lucky, you know, we, we go to run Indy this weekend and continue the point season. If we can get the championship, then uh, maybe it leads to a, you know, an LMP3 ride or a, or a GT4 ride somewhere over in the IMSA series. So yeah. just chasing it however we can. Same old deal, man. That's what you got to do. And by the way, that uh, that off-road deal went away directly because of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. The sponsor, two brand-new cars, ready to go, had never been so ready ever in, in our career and knowing what we were going to do and where we were going to go and then having the cars, two complete ready-to-go ready to cars, 
and this thing bit and the sponsor who who was very concerned about his business said I've got to take I've got to make sure I can take care of my employees right. before I go play racing yeah. and so he pulled the plug on the deal and the full intentions of going in 2021 but two cars sitting there and finally earns a number one plate and never get to put it on the car. <laughs> Better yet, it is on the car and we just get to watch it sit there. Right. It's, it's even more frustrating for sure. But that's the way, honestly, in hindsight, it would have been really difficult to do now because of the consistent scheduling changes. It, uh, even up till yesterday, they just changed off road race. We're still waiting on a postponed IndyCar race to be rescheduled uh, IndyCar weekend. So it, it would have been really difficult to try to, do both series and juggle those at the same time sure. anyways so it, it all worked out awesome well we thank both of you guys for taking the time to come in here hench i know you're super busy and uh of course by the way con- congrats and good luck with your podcast and thank you. I know yes. you you and alex have some fun doing that we yeah we we do <laughs> he i have more fun than him he doesn't <laughs> alex doesn't have fun doing many things he's a very serious guy well, I, I, it had to be fun watching your tires stacked on top of your coach. I mean, that had to be a fun moment. That was, yeah, for for him it was great. I mean, he immediately accused me, which was which was very alarming. We I went to the gym that morning, and he comes storming in the gym, and he walks right up to me, and he goes, "You're dead." I'm like, "What for? What? What? I mean." Okay, I believe I've probably done something, but which which grievance which specifically? Which one did you catch me doing? <laughs> yeah, are you upset about? And he showed me the picture. I'm like, oh no, that one actually that one wasn't me. No. So maybe you guys have spoke about this. I, I saw something about it, social media or something, of Rossi going into pit fit with a bag with is it a hundred dollars worth of pennies? Correct. Yes. To pay his bill at pit yes. fit. Yeah. Oh What's no. the background story there? That was hilarious. So it was it was absolutely hilarious because it cost him one hundred and seventy dollars to get a hundred dollars worth of pennies. <laughs> But it was so <laughs> worth it for the look on Jim Leo's face. So Jim Leo, you know, runs Pit Fit, and um, we have a bunch of kettlebells, you know, for working out whatever. And kettlebells are all color coded; they're like universally color coded, so you know that the yellow one weighs this much and the blue one weighs this much, whatever. But like, there's a lot of them, and we don't want to learn it. And so Alex was like, "Can you just put up a sign that says blue is 12 kilograms and yellow is 16? Like, can you just put that up there?" For about three years, Alex asked for this, right? And Jim just kept. I mean, it's it's insane. Just, I was gonna say that's a total ignore. He's not yeah, doing it right. now. He's doing. I don't know, and I don't know what actually what actually sparked Jim to finally do it, right? But he finally went out and got these nice sheets printed off with the colors and the weights, and he and he put it up above the mirror where the kettlebells are, and I guess it cost him a hundred bucks to get it printed, and so. He comes comes in one day and he drops an invoice on Alex's lap for a hundred dollars for the sign. Oh yeah, and when he got the sign made, he, he cheekily in the corner put uh, "Donated by Alexander Rossi." <laughs> this was not discussed. This was not agreed upon in any way, shape, or form. Alex was not thrilled by this. Um, you know, he's like, "We pay you how much a month?" And is so he's like, "All right, I'll pay you." And went online and found a place where that would ship him. A hundred dollars in pennies in a duffel bag, and uh, yeah, weighed about sixty something pounds. And he brought it into the gym one day, and walked up to Jim and just dropped it at his feet. And it was perfect. It was like the the, pop, the top popped open, and Jim looked inside, and his mouth just dropped. He's like, "What is this?" And then the invoice was sitting on top of the paid stamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. That was a good That's one. That's awesome. That's great stuff, man. You guys working out all all together all the time over there. That's 
That's pretty cool, too. I mean, the camaraderie outside of the race car. Yeah, for sure. You know, we see, I mean, Dixon's there every morning. TK's there every morning. Me, Charlie, Spencer, Alex, Zach's there, Dalton. I mean, it's most of the guys in town come out and and train there and uh it is it's it's cool it's always fun on like tuesdays you know because we usually take mondays off after the races but like tuesday after race is like the best day to be in the gym because you just hear everybody's stories and you just you know swapping war stories from the day or whatever it's it's cool it's got to be a bit of a motivator too it's like eh, at least i'm gonna have a good time there there's gonna be you know some buddies are there and well i mean the motivator comes in the fact that like we just push each other so hard which is awesome. And by that, I mean Scott Dixon pushes the rest of us because nobody can beat him in anything. <laughs> really? Oh, get, a, get, on the, get on the Jacob's ladder. It's the, oh, that's, the, that's a medieval torture Kiss device, of death. that thing. Yeah. Well, I saw, the, you know, uh, let's go back to Iowa. I mean, guys getting out. I mean, willpower, done. Yeah. You're talking to Connor. Connor said they had to wrap my legs in ice. He said they had to help me out of the car. He said yeah. I couldn't stand he up. He, yeah, he said he fainted or something when he got out yeah. of the car. He was done. Yeah. I mean, a brutal, brutal race. And, and then He doesn't train at Pit Fit, just saying. <laughs> all the all the pit fit guys were were fine weird oh weird. there you go something, something shots learned. fired shots yes, fired something <laughs> learned yeah i thought dixon was standing there and you know his hair looked great I, yeah <laughs> he could have done another one the next day he was fine he was totally fine great stuff man well thanks a lot again for coming out we appreciate it man best of, of luck um, the rest of the season but more importantly next year going going towards next year hopefully you get back we'd, we'd like to see you back in the car and great on tv but we'd rather see you in a car for yeah. now one day one day we'll get back, get back in on car tv now. later in, yeah. in the future so best of luck next year uh, to you as well robert i uh, hope hope things come together and rico thanks for letting us put on this show once again beautiful place here carl thanks man I don't know if Thanks, you made any Carl. mistakes t- yet or not, but when I'll watch the show and then I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you, know you did not cough during the show. I'm, I'm proud of you. This is like two shows in a row. So thanks again, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time here on The Skinny. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skinny. To watch the video versions of all of our shows, please visit our YouTube channel, Fatheads TV. Be sure to check out all the latest sun and optical eyewear at fatheads.com. Special thanks to our sponsorship partners at Elliott's Custom Trailers and Carts. This has been a production of Fathead Studios. Please remember to subscribe.